with teams ahead of them in the standings having a difficult weekend, Orange County had an opportunity to move up in the standings, but they let the opportunity slip between their fingers as they gave up a late goal against Reno in Irvine and ended up drawing 2-2. Two to two. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the champion soccer stadium, first time into the box, it's a great ball, and it bolts in! Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County! Chablo, Chablo will have a go off the deflection, and it finds its way in. Selmo shooting from the corner, he put it in! And there will be no second opportunity as Andre Rawls shuts it down. This ball finds the top left corner, and Orange County has struck again. Past Hashimoto, Segbert shooting, scoring! Escalante sits on it, and Rawls somehow was ready. And I fight. And they fight over the top. And it down, it's in! Orange County equalizes! What a debut! Not only for the stadium, but for Sola Abalaji! Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora. I'm with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. And uh, as always, joining me this week, we have Dylan from the County Line Coalition. How's it going today, Dylan? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, uh, how how uh, are you feeling after that crazy weather we were having over the uh, uh, at the game uh, this past Saturday? Correct? Was it Saturday? Right? It was Saturday. I'm a little bit warmer today, so uh, not too bad. Uh, it's one of those uh, matches where I'm glad I wasn't actually out there in the stands with you guys. I actually was able to watch it from a stream, but that's a whole other story. We'll get into it. Um, and we also have a guest with us this week uh, joining us from the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast, which is a part, uh, partner with BGN. Uh, we got Roger Graham. How's it going today, Roger? Hey, Ray. I'm doing great. Everybody in Orange County, hello from uh, Oklahoma. Hope everybody's doing well. And I promise you, fellas... Being cold is not a problem here at all. It is hot. It's middle of the summer, and it is over 100 degrees every day. So hello, summer in Oklahoma. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Southern California, we can have our hot days, but I don't think we get to, to the, the horrible the horribleness, if that's a word, of what you guys have out there in, in the middle of the country. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to get to experience it here in a few days, cause, or not in a few days, in a few weeks. I'm going to be traveling out to Texas for mm. a week on a short little vacation. It, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go later, but it just sort of happens. I scheduled it and I didn't realize what was going on and I'm going to be out in Texas when Orange County is facing San Antonio here Ooh. in Orange County. So I'm going to sort of miss that opportunity to watch a match uh, in Texas. It just didn't work out that way. But um, hopefully the uh, you know, weather works out for great, uh, works out for you over there. Um, doesn't get too crazy uh, in the coming days. Absolutely. And it's too bad that you'd be in San Antonio if you're in that area. And EOC was, unfortunately, they would be you know, playing at home. But if they're playing in San Antonio, you would be very impressed with that stadium. It is nice, state-of-the-art. You'd be jealous. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's awesome. It, it definitely, just from what you can see on the TV when we're watching those matches, you can sort of see that it's one of those really nice 
stadiums, a, a legit looking stadium, mm-hmm. uh, nothing on other teams stadiums, nothing even on Orange County Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium, but uh, definitely San Antonio has one of the nicest stadiums out there in the league. And hey, you know, even with it tough uh, that it just didn't work out because I probably would have been the only person repping Orange County out there. Uh, it's definitely not one of the easier drives in the USL to get from uh, California out to San Antonio, Texas. But uh, really quick before we get into the, the the real details or the meat of this podcast, I just want to remind everyone that the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is uh, part of the Beautiful Game Network. BGN.FM is where you can find our podcast along with many other soccer podcasts. A lot of them are USL-based podcasts, including uh, tech, uh, the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast, which Roger hosts over there with BGN. So uh, make sure you go ahead and check them out. Uh, you know, see all or listen to all those wonderful podcasts that you get uh, on that network, uh, and you know, uh, give everyone else a listen to and share the love with uh, with all the uh, podcasts that are available. And, and anyways, it's it's a great way to just find out information about all these teams that Orange County is facing uh, week in and week out in the USL. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into this podcast. And just to give you a quick rundown of what we'll be discussing today, we're definitely going to be taking a look back at this past Saturday, uh, you know, the windy, windy day that we had out there at Championship Soccer Stadium in Irvine as Orange County and Reno went head to head. And then we're also going to look ahead to the upcoming match. One of the reasons we brought in uh, Roger Graham from the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast is Orange County is going to be hosting the Tulsa Roughnecks here uh, this upcoming weekend. So we're going to talk with him and find out uh, just what's going on over there in Tulsa and see uh, if there's any uh, thing that we can learn or any new news or any hope for Tulsa uh, soccer fans or if uh, as Orange County fans, we should be excited for that match. And then we'll look into a little bit of some USL stuff, maybe discuss the World Cup briefly as we've uh, finalized or gotten through the first matches for all the teams in the World Cup. And, and then that'll probably wrap up our podcast for today. So let's go ahead and get into it and we'll get started with uh, the match this past weekend. Uh, again, this match this past weekend saw Orange County Soccer Club hosting uh, Reno. And I'm not going to even try and say the year. I'll probably mess it up. I'll, I'll try it. It's 1880 or 1868 FC. So Reno 1868 go. FC. I, I had to try it. I figured I'd get it. <laughs> and uh, it was a very windy day out there. Right, Dylan? Yeah, it was. It was. It was something. Uh, the wind was blowing pretty heavily to the north the entire game, which if you're used to watching the streams or if you're not familiar with north is in relation to the stadium, it's uh, towards us in the county line collision or away from the scoreboard. Yeah, and, and the, the funny thing is I was watching that stream because I was not able to make that match. I was up in Bakersfield um, dealing with the wonderful weather that we have or that people might know of, of in Bakersfield. And I was watching the stream on ESPN Plus, and I got to definitely see, and I was actually sort of cracking up a few times because you'd see uh, a lot of the action you can, you know, that was going on that north side of the field. Uh, you could see the County Line Coalition people out there, you know, doing their best to try and hold on to those flags uh, throughout the match. Those flags were definitely going. Uh, were you holding any of those flags, Dylan? Yeah, for probably, I guess... I think all of the second half and probably a good portion of the first half, I was I was holding on to a, uh, on holding on to a flag or doing my best to hold on to a flag, <laughs> hoping it, it wasn't going to get ripped out of my hands or the flag wasn't going to get ripped. It it, it was definitely uh, an adventure watching that and and the adventure also was on the pitch there because uh, Orange County and uh, Reno. 1868 FC. I, I have to just think of it before I say it. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast that that was potentially one of those games that's going to be like one of those games of the week here. Those were both two teams fighting for position. And, uh, you know, 
little did we know in this match too is the teams just ahead of Orange County and Reno um, had some difficult times over the weekend. So it was definitely a good opportunity for either of these teams to try and move up on the table if they could get the full three points. Uh, unfortunately for both of those teams, it seems like uh, you know a back-and-forth battle uh, ended up in just one point for each. But I guess one point is better than nothing when you look at the big picture. But you know, it was definitely a lost opportunity for either of those teams. And definitely for Orange County, I was I was hoping we would see something uh, you know, some some good play out there. And, uh, you know, I, I was struggling through the match because as I watched it, it still looked like there was some shakiness in the defense there. And, and Andre Rolls was having to come to the save multiple times or time and time again. Is that the same thing you saw, Dylan, or did you see something different? Definitely. Um, we, as I shouldn't say we, I don't play for the team, but um, defensively we weren't as strong as, um, as we were against Los Dos. It was frustrating to see, knowing that they they were pretty solid six days prior, um, and there wasn't really any reason for, for tired legs or anything. They, everyone should have been recovered, but um, it's growing pains. And again, Hoyvold uh, came on, or he played the entire game, and it was only a second week, so maybe I shouldn't throw too much into... We're, we're helpless defensively without Cornali, um, but it was a disappointing... Um, switch from Los Dos to Reno. No, definitely. And especially, I mean, yeah, it was a road game against Los Dos, but it's not like they were having to travel across the country uh, to get back to Orange County. It was basically, uh, you know, what, 45-minute drive down the 405. But you brought up the name um, Hoyveld. And I, again, I watched the game on the screen. I rewatched a, a little bit of the match, especially some of the highlights. And when you watch back on that match, both of the goals that Reno got in the match, Hoyveld um, was a big part of the, uh, I guess, the breakdown on the defense on both of those um one of them was uh Hoyville, uh just got beat out on speed and tried to make a play uh probably a, ma tried to make a play that he shouldn't have made uh you know if you guys can remember on that first goal for reno it was off a penalty and it was Hoyville got beat uh got beaten uh on a through ball i believe i can't remember who it was too but he went and basically did a, a ridiculous slide tackle to try and save the goal i guess and although it didn't look like there was a lot of contact on there as a veteran uh player that has tons of experience you just wouldn't expect that out of someone like that and that could just be that he's you know working his way back into the pitch like dylan said it's his first match or no second match um and he just joined the team before the los dos match so i don't know if you, i mean that penalty was sort of right in front of you guys out there in the stands did you sort of see right away that that was definitely a penalty or were you sort of questioning that or were you guys questioning that in the stands, Dylan? Um, you know, like 12 hours prior with the, the Griezmann penalty for France versus Australia in the World Cup, same thing. I, I, I obviously can't replay what I saw in my head um, and we don't have cameras all over the stadium like we do in a World Cup, but if there was contact there, it was minimal. And uh, Hopinon, Antoine Hopinon, I believe it's how you'd say his name because he's French. Um, he went down very easily, um, which was very, very annoying. And um, the central ref's decision to give a to give a penalty in that situation, where he had a very bad view of what happened because um, he was behind the play. Um, the AR didn't seem to make a decision as to whether or not that was a penalty. He didn't wave his flag, and then he didn't say anything to the uh to the central ref he just walked up to his position so as to whether or not it was um outright a penalty debatable 
whether or not it was a play that needed to happen, that's not much of a debate. Um, Hoyville got caught out, and he was trying to play catch-up, and I mean, I think that comes down to decision-making and being match-fit and reading those situations a little better. Um, I don't want to be too critical of him. He's moved across the Atlantic and then on top of that across the country, and it's his second game, and at the end of the day, he is still a professional player, and I'm just a fan. <laughs> um, but it was kind of the perfect storm, and I don't think... I know I said a couple weeks ago I don't think there's match-fixing or anything, um, but I do think that inexperience in refereeing is a thing, especially in the USL, and I think that was a big part of it. It was a little bit of a questionable decision by player and ref. Well, yeah, and, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. I remember there was a play, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was against, but it was another play where there was a penalty, I believe, against Sacramento. And uh, I was sort of questioning if it was really a penalty or if it was enough contact for a penalty. That play, there was a lot more contact than on this play. This was, I watched that replay when I saw that happen. I rewinded it a few times. And like you said, if anything, there was just slight bit of contact there. And it was a good job, I guess, of the uh, Reno player for selling the contact and going down um, and forcing the rest hand. But you also brought up the World Cup, and I've been watching the World Cup, and there's been a lot more contact. And again, I, I get it. USL is not the same level as World Cup when it comes to referees or whatnot. But uh, there's been a lot more uh, contact that is not called. Players actually getting like pulled or dragged to the ground and and penalties not being called so definitely but uh, the the bigger problem on that is, and this is on both of the goals on the night is Hoyville got got beat out of position um and he doesn't have the, that quickness that you would have out of someone maybe like Alex Cornelli uh or, or whatnot uh to recuperate there so both of those goals I mean you really have to put them um on Hoyville and, and it sort of sucks because he just joined us and he's this is a great veteran that's been around you know numerous teams and played some big matches so it just sort of sucks that we had that but it also sort of brought to my my thought is what's what's going on with uh, Walker Hume? Because basically it seems like Hoyveld has automatically jumped over Hume, even though Hume was actually not playing too bad out there um, during the early parts of the season. What do you think on that? Um, I think it might come down to, to an experience thing and, and trying to organize that defense um, with Jewel Nielsen, um, whether or not they have got or they have some uh, sort of Euro connection or anything going on there. Um, I think that having two strong and and experienced center backs is probably what what the team's trying to go for um we haven't been too prolific in front of goal despite our goal difference um mostly thanks to that tulsa game for that um but Thank you, tulsa. i can see that they are um most likely trying to, to shore up things in the back and, and make sure that we're winning games by not conceding as opposed to just blowing out teams with a with a really good attack um but I mean, at least according to, to Wikipedia, which is about the only stat I can find about Hoyville, I think he played eight games last season, and he's he's been two so far. So, And and two games, like, literally right after being signed. I mean, it's not like he had a couple weeks to, uh, you know, get up to match fitness. I mean, it was literally he got signed on a Wednesday and was out on the field on, on, on a Saturday. That's not, or I think those might have been a Sunday match. Yeah. But still, that's not typically what you see. Um, regardless of the level of professional soccer, you don't really see that too often where someone's coming in with limited play for the last, you know, 12 months and being thrown right into the fire. Uh, so I, I, I get it. We can throw him a little bit of a, of, of a break on that, but still it's, it's, it's sort of an interesting decision by, uh, you know, uh, the, the coaching staff and just, you know, by the team in general, what happened there. And I, again, I don't know if you, like what you said, maybe the experience is just coming into play uh, or, 
you know, I don't know if, if something happened with, with Walker Hume. Maybe he's dealing with something because he hasn't seen the pitch in the last couple of weeks now. Um, and like I said, he wasn't playing bad. I mean, he's, he's, you know, it's not like he did something to, on the pitch during a match that says, oh, you got to get him out of there. So there's just interesting stuff or, you know, just something I was thinking about while watching that match, especially after that second goal late in the match. Um, yeah. Where Hoyville got uh, beat. I mean, I think it's it's a little bit, you know, getting back into the groove of playing matches. Um, I don't think he deserves necessarily to be dropped after having one bad game. He was pretty solid against Los Dos, and if although, we want although, him to be Los... match fit, then I think he needs to continue playing. Um, it's frustrating not seeing Walker play. I love seeing him play because he's, he's young and he's surprisingly quick for you know, kind of traditional center back, um, but growing pains i mean we can attribute that to everything in this league and i think oh, that definitely. this is just <laughs> another example of it uh, well and, and sure things of, will get sorted it's sort of hard because we did have alex Cornelli and walker hume were our center backs and they're both bigger center backs but they both actually have some surprising speed on them uh for their size so you're going from that to someone that's a 34 year old um big uh you know hoyville he's not as quick as, as some of those guys at least he hasn't shown that yet maybe he does have that in him it just you know he needs to work up to that so um, but let, let's sort of get away from what went wrong in the match. There were some bright spots in the match, and, and it seems like this is something we say quite often, but one of the bright spots was uh, the goalkeeper, Andre Rawls. He had some more amazing saves out there. Uh, I think if if not for the draw, if they actually would have been able to hold on and get the victory, he might have had an opportunity for the USL, uh, one of the USL top you know saves of the week, potentially. Um, he definitely kept Orange County in the match early on, especially, uh, you know, while uh, you know some of these mistakes on defense were happening i mean he made again i talked about it last week i could count three or four maybe even five saves where he was legitimately out there getting his body in the way it wasn't just something that got hit in his direction um do you agree on that that it was another great match from uh, andre rolls yeah definitely um you i feel like you can never fault a goalkeeper for a penalty um the odds for them are so minute that they're going to get in front of it um so I don't want to put too much blame on, on him for that first goal. You, you pick a side and you go to it and Alpenar or whoever scored it went the other way. Flip the um, Yeah, exactly. Um, that second goal, he was coming out and it, it's a weird situation. If he comes out too early, he runs the risk of being chipped um, or colliding and giving up another penalty or picking up a card or, or running into Hoyvold or whoever's coming in um, on defense into defensive play um he waited which i think was the right decision and then just poked it the right way that uh that rolls didn't go but he's been so solid for us in the back um i remember when he when the team announced that he had signed i wasn't super thrilled um i thought okay we re-signed casey byers um he's gonna get he's gonna get more games this season like he's he's the number one and and so I was a little bit frustrated to, to see that we'd signed another goalkeeper um, that was going in front of him. But Andre has been really strong, and uh, when he's when he's getting in the way of almost everything throughout the ninety minutes, it's hard to say that he deserves to be anywhere else. No, and I mean, really, with his performance, other than again a penalty, which you can't blame on him, and then that late goal, um, which was like you know again Hoyville got beaten, so. Uh, you know, it was almost like that one-on-one situation. The goalie doesn't have much to do in that. I mean, other than those two opportunities, I mean, he was a rock-solid wall 
between the post for Orange County. And he definitely, I think, you know, it sort of sucks, but he deserved to, to come away with a victory. And he definitely, the way he played, I mean, it's one of those matches where, like, you, you really would have hoped that he could have came through with a, with another clean sheet in that because he was he was definitely the reason why Orange County was in that match uh, throughout the whole time, uh, even up until when uh, uh, Reno scored that late goal. So definitely sad that, uh, that you know, again, a draw is not the worst scenario that could have happened. You know, could have lost the game completely and not gotten any points out of it. But Andre Rolls was, uh, was again, another solid person out there. Uh, another uh, solid person. Uh, performance or at least a, a definitely a solid play was the goal that uh, Thomas Ennevoldson had um, where he got the feed from Michael Seaton on a nice little uh, break there. Uh, Seaton had the ball on the left side, crossed it right into the middle where Ennevoldson was, and Ennevoldson put it right into the goal, uh, which is what you'd expect out of him. Um, what did you think of that play? I think that was probably, uh, other than Andre Roll's uh, in goal, some of those saves, I think that Ennevoldson goal was probably one of the, 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 the plays of the match, if not the play of the match. What do you think, Dylan? It was massive, um, at least for us. I mean, we're obviously on the other side of the stadium, uh, the County Line Coalition, watching it. So it's hard to see in between all the bodies and at that distance to see the ball get knocked around and, and what's going on. But uh, we saw Ennevoldson's leg swing, and then we saw the net bulge in the back. And, I mean, we went absolutely crazy. Uh, it was great. Um, and that, I feel, beyond getting the team back into the game, um, and beyond getting us back in the game, kind of shifted that momentum from, again, what could have been not a penalty. We'll say an unlucky penalty um, or a needless penalty. Definitely shifted the the weight in the game back towards Orange County like it was maybe like the first 15-ish minutes. No, definitely. That was, um, I, I was watching that play again on ESPN Plus while I was up in Bakersfield. It was myself and my uh, two sons, uh, six-year-old and eight-year-old, uh, we were watching the match there on my laptop and the rest of the family was, you know, doing family stuff. No one else is really as much into soccer as we are. And uh, I think the whole family in the house, uh, you know, knew when that goal happened because me and the boys were getting excited about that. We, you know, we yelled, you know, we're sitting here watching on a little laptop, making a lot of noise and everyone's like, what's going on over there? Uh, and then they're like, oh, yeah, they're watching soccer. That was that was definitely, uh, you know, that definitely is probably one of those opportunities where you're going to say that might be one of the, you know, uh, picks for potential play of the year for OC at the end of it because it was just a perfect uh, play of the ball. I, I forget exactly who it was that fed Seton, but it was a great through ball to Seton that got that going. And then Seton, you know, just the one touch into the middle there to Ennevolts, and it was definitely a, a great move there. And I'm glad at least that the ball got into the net on that opportunity. Um, uh, I know I, I said I wanted to sort of get away from some of the negative stuff on the match or the, the bad stuff on the match, but another thing I'm looking at my notes here that I, I saw in the match, uh, a missed opportunity, I think, was uh, Giovanni Godoy uh, for the second straight match had uh, an opportunity on goal that he didn't complete. Uh, am I right on that, Dylan, or am I wrong on that? From what I'm, yeah, I believe so. Um, but at the same time, I can't fault him. He was again solid. Uh, I love personally. I love attackers who track back, and he. I get that he's a wide player for us, but he tracks back, and I. Oh God, nothing warms my heart more. But you know, you know I, I hate to cut you off there, but one of the things that I've liked about him all season, him and Seton, right, they've been these sparks off the bench for Orange County. It seems like almost any opportunity that they've had to come off the bench, they've uh, turned the game around for Orange County and, you know, in some of those instances, even scored. Um, so I feel like I'm wondering, if, uh, and this might be just sort of a, me questioning it, but are they better off coming off the bench as those sparks or are we looking at where they really should shine in these opportunities where they're getting the opportunity to play the full 90 minutes or at least start the matches? What do you think? 
Um, I was really happy to see Godoy get the uh, get the nod against Los Dos for the first time, um, or at least may not have been the first time, but in a while. Um, and I thought he did really well. And even against Reno, he I'm pretty sure he flicked the ball on um, to uh, Joel Nielsen for the second goal to put Orange County ahead. Um, I think because he's young, a lot like I mean, I think Seaton's a couple years older than he is, but. Uh, they're both really pacey, so I do think that um, if we're trying to wear out or um, get that little edge on a, on a team's defense in the last little bit, that they might be better suited there. But, well, that's it. That's uh, yeah. You know, you get those pacey guys in there when the other team's you know worn out from you know playing eighty minutes or so, and you have fresh legs running at you. That's where, and that might be where they've benefited from in this uh, part of the season where they've been coming off the bench. Um, I know you mentioned, you know, Godoy's still very young. I mean, I think it was the week or just a few days before the match um, himself, and I think it was Matt's Berman. Uh, they had graduated from uh, UCI. So, yeah, uh, I think it was actually the night before. The night before, um, yeah. So, so they were probably they, a pretty they, decent weekend for them all in all. I, definitely, and they, you know, hey, they're coming off, you know, the excitement of that and having to go right into to getting some work in the next day. But, you know, by, by all means, you know, great job by those guys because, you know, getting your degree even isn't the easiest thing nowadays. Uh, with all the work so great for them and then to be able to come out and play the next match but yeah definitely Gio's an awesome player out there uh again I, I maybe it's just me just thinking a little bit more tactically um you know I have that NBA backs you know backside I, or you know background I used to you know cover the NBA a lot and you can't ever you know disregard the sixth man the sixth man is just as important as some of the starters on a lot of teams so maybe uh I, I don't know if that again it's just maybe me just being a little over tactical on it but I I, I definitely feel at least at this point Geo's better uh, position or uh, role on a team is potentially that that spark off the bench to to get the goal when uh, the other team's tired. So I don't know. That just might be me. Yeah. Um. I I feel like that's true to a point, and I I feel like the last few weeks we've just seen a, a difference um, in tactics from from the coaching staff and what they're trying to do. Um, I think if we were trying to kind of hold out for a late win, um, then absolutely Godoy and Seton coming on or even just one of the two of them will do a lot of damage but I feel like lately it's been we've been pressing a little bit more early on um trying to score first or build up a couple goals um as opposed to playing for what almost sometimes ends up seemed seeming to be a draw based on how the how the game shifts no definitely so so I mean, there's the the match again. It ended in a draw, two two. Both teams get a point, and there's the loss opportunity because there were some of the teams ahead of the standings there that didn't have the greatest of weeks as well. But uh, again, at least they picked up a point. Uh, it, you know, a point's better than nothing, of course. Three points is, of course, what you want, but um, that's how it happened. So let's uh, just finish this up with this match. Let's just talk really quick. Um, Want to get your idea, Dylan, of your MVP and your LVP, least val- valuable player for the match uh, against Reno. Um, let's start off, I guess, with the MVP. What are you thinking? Oh, man. I'm going to have to say Andre, um, just solely for his last, I think it was the last minute or, or two minutes of the game, uh, or at least before extra time. That last save, saving us at least one point from the game. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are are super in, uh, effectual in this team, and um, you know, maybe they're not scoring goals or, or maybe not putting key passes in, but they're dictating the pace. I like to think that um, Chaplo and Aiden Quinn and Christian Duke do that a lot, um, but Andre, you know, the ball is there and he's there. 
and he gets in front of it almost every time. So just on that last-minute save, I'm, I'm saying that he was the MVP for the team. And, you know, I, I know it's always popular to say, well, I want to go something different, but I, I have to agree with you on that. I, I think Andre Rawls kept OC in the match. I think he made a lot of key saves. I know you talk, you're, you're praising him for that short bit at the end of the match, but I think early on in the match there was a lot of opportunities for Reno to um, get on the on the scoreboard early on that Andre Rolls stopped and kept Orange County in the match and kept them in a position to get that three points up until that last goal. So, uh, yeah, he and, and he had a strong finish there as well. So I think start to finish for Andre Rolls, it was definitely one of his better performances. Unfortunately, he couldn't come out with a clean sheet or even, you know, the victory on it. But, uh, again, it's, it's a strong performance from him. If you want to go with a, a secondary performance, I want to say probably someone like Thomas Ennevoldson or even uh, Seton out there. They both had a pretty strong performance out there. Uh, you know, Seton has some pretty good uh, ability there with this hold-up play. If you watch him on there, some of the replays, he, he definitely uses his body and he uses some of his strength to try and hold off the defender when the ball comes to him. Uh, and, again, Ennevoldson had that great goal. Um Okay, I, I know it's the, the thing that people try to avoid sometimes, but what about your least valuable player of the match? Um, I'll, I'll go first, actually, and I'll have to say um, Hoyveld. I mean, the fact that he got beaten on both of those goals, uh, again, it's it's tough for him because he's coming in, uh, you know, with little to no work into these last two matches, and he had a pretty good performance against Los Dos. Uh, but to get beaten not once but twice in a similar type of fashion, um, it's just for me as you know a veteran professional player it's definitely hard to swallow a hard pill to swallow on that so i have to go with hoyveld as the least valuable player in the match what do you think dylan yeah i have to agree um i don't want to kick him i'm sure he knows and i'm sure he's oh, not yeah. satisfied with himself he didn't look like he had no idea what was going on that entire game he just if the legs aren't there yet or or, or whatever it is um but you know, I have faith. I, I really love this team, and I have, I have faith in its players. I have faith in him to come back from this. And there's obviously a reason that the the scouts and the technical director and, and the team believe in him and, and play with him. Um, I think there's more. There's definitely more to come. Um, oh, definitely. I am not here to light a fire under him. Um, that's not my job. I think he can manage that on his own as a veteran player and, and with the coaching staff and the people around him. I think he's not here for a vacation. He he knows what his job is and he'll come back and we'll forget this ever happened. Oh, no, totally. I, I have faith in him. I have faith in the coaching staff that they're that they have a reasoning behind their decisions. I have faith that Hoyville, um he just probably needs a few more matches under him to, to get back up to full speed. And and that could very, very well be why they're they're playing him so much. So so early is because they want him in there for when the uh, the home stretch of the season and potentially the playoffs happen for OC, where you're going to have a, a fully fit um, Jos Hoyveld out there to um, help try and lead Orange County victory. But definitely in this situation, I mean, it's just one of those, you know, matches where, especially when we're, you know, we're saying, hey, we got to pick someone that probably had the poorest performance. It probably would have to be him. Um, so he, and he's a great guy. I spoke to him after the Los Dos match. He's a pretty good guy. Very funny. So, um, I, again, I have faith in him that he's going to be able to come on out and, um, you know, get back up to his, his full strength there. All right. So folks, so that's the Orange County Reno match. Now let's look forward to what's coming up here, uh, this next weekend here where Orange County is going to be hosting the Tulsa Roughnecks who are going to be coming in, uh, to this matchup. And with that said, uh, Roger's been sitting by patiently as Dylan and I have been discussing this past match and now he's ready to, to shed some light on what's going on with Tulsa. So welcome back, Roger. Hey, thank you. 
so I'm kind of like the uh, closer in a in a major league baseball game. I've just been chilling. It's like, all right, bring them in, bring in the righty, bring them in. You know, get the uh, get, get finish it off right. Get the get the victory for the match. Uh, but yeah. you know, so let, let's start things off. So this will be the second time that these teams are facing for the season. The first match probably didn't go so well for Tulsa's end. Uh, I'm sure as OC fans, Dylan and I were pretty excited about that last Ooh, match. I love that game. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> well, bringing in. <laughs> It's definitely getting us excited for this match. Uh, what it, what uh, I, I was looking at the results for Tulsa over the season. That seems like that was like that, that you know, the deep hole of the season right there. Was that the, the low point of the season for, for Tulsa? You know, I think there were two. You know, this is really interesting because, yeah, you had the 5-0 uh, defeat here at With home. With two red cards. With two red cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bad deal. I mean, it was, you know, I think OC – Coming off that big win against Oklahoma City the a couple of days before on a Wednesday, and then you turn around and play. It was a day game, which is the first time we've had a day game uh, or a day match in Tulsa. So it was kind of a weird. It was like a two o'clock kickoff, um, and it was just the whole vibe was just it was just it seemed like nothing went right. And then it was two nil. Then all of a sudden Riggs got his uh, uh, red card, and which was the weirdest red card I've ever seen in my life. I still don't know why he got Riggs Lennon got that red card. And then he had Michael Benz uh, got the red card earlier on. And, yeah, it was just one of those – it was a snowball. You know, it just kept getting worse and worse as the game progressed. And if you have two red cards, you know, that's that's really tough to, to come back from. And also, you're probably outmatched a little bit in that mat, in that game as well. So, yeah, I just kind of went downhill. And you talk about a low point in the season. Well, you know, it was interesting because after that you had – Tulsa had those string of draws. You know, people were talking about, well, what's the record for the most draws? You know, you had Portland come to town, had the draw. Uh, going on the road, which was the most the, the most exciting match I've watched all year, playing at Fresno down uh, late in the match, and John Beccaro had that uh, that goal from uh, from this backheel assist from Adrian Jacino, which you need to watch it. I would encourage any uh, OC fans to watch it if you just like soccer. It was amazing. John Beccaro, who's a, a, a on loan from Chicago, put it in. We ended up getting a draw there at Fresno, and then turned around and had Sacramento on the ropes and was winning late, and then gave up a late goal at Sacramento. Otherwise, you know, you're talking getting a victory at Sacramento, which not for me teams have done. And then had the match at Las Vegas, got a 2-2 draw there. So you had this string of road matches, and then you turn around and play at um, uh, San Antonio and, and had that draw there, and then Open Cup. And I think this may have been the bottom of the barrel as far as Tulsa goes this year, losing to FC Wichita of the NPSL, Four to three, giving up two late goals. Um, so I don't know, maybe just two low points in the season. That five nil loss, and then you had uh, the loss of FC Wichita, and then a few days later, get beat by the Fighting DDA Drogbas at at home five one. So maybe I don't know, maybe that was the worst part of the season as far as the vic, you know, the defeats and, and all that goes. Um, but it, it seems like after that, just the season never could get just could never get back on the rails and and have had some really you know uh, poor showings and, and and tough tough defeats at home and and uh, in a way um you know i i think this team's just the efforts there it's it's just um you know um i, I know those guys are giving it their all and, and and you've had some lineup changes and uh players you know red cards you're talking about red cards we've had several of those this year 
Uh, so you've had to mess with the lineup and, and had a couple of injuries. So, you know, different guys playing, you know, different positions. And I don't know, it's just kind of a little bit of a perfect storm over here as far as uh, not getting victories and, and running into a, a line of bad results. If I can jump in for a minute, Roger, sure. um, how I, I hate to bring this up. Um, I go for I'm it. Not an FC, I'm not an FC Cincinnati fan. Um, and I think USL fans will kind of laugh at that. But what what's the attendance been like for you guys? I know that Toronto FC two has been struggling to mm-hmm. on the pitch and in the stands to bring people in. But has have the numbers dropped fans? in matches or on <laughs> uh, uh, in, in Tulsa? I think the last uh, I think the last attendance was around thirty one, thirty two hundred. Um, I think it's probably down a little bit. Um, it's interesting. Some of the times, you know, people on the weekends will just show up just because it's a weekend and it's downtown Tulsa. It's a really good location. And, and if you have fireworks or some sort of promotion, people are going to show up. And I think that night there was free jersey giveaway. So, you know, people are still coming out. Um, I can tell that, you know, the, the announced attendance and actual, you know, people in the stands, you know, those are obviously two different things. Um, I can tell that, you know, attendance has waned, but it did in 2016 when the team was losing. Uh, we had a, a little bit of a bump last season because of the playoff push, but yeah, I mean, people are still showing up um, for now. Uh, you know, I, I, is it a sellout? Absolutely not. Is it kind of a sparsely populated? Yeah, it's it's not jam-packed or anything of that nature, but like I said, I think one oak codes like 7,000 people, so if, even if it was 3,200, it didn't feel f- half full by any stretch, so I imagine probably, you know, realistically, 1,200 people probably there. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, and it's it's interesting comparing it to, like, uh, Toronto, too. I mean, I, I think that's mm. that's definitely a low bar to compare to. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, if you can draw, you know, 3,000 fans with the type of season you're having, I mean, props to Tulsa. Uh, you know, definitely uh, good to see the fans still trying to support a team. Uh, in that situation, I, I know before we started recording, we were sort of joking, uh, uh, Roger and, and Dylan joining the conversation. We were sort of joking about uh, or comparing the season to or, or finding comparisons for the season. And then we sort of got into this conversation about the Cleveland Browns, which hopefully for Tulsa, it doesn't end up that bad. Uh, but it's 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 definitely good to see that the fans are still at least trying to support the team in in such a uh, uh, dismal, I guess, season, uh, what you guys are having so far. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. The supporters are, you know, were pretty vocal about their displeasure, obviously, and, you know, and wanted to make sure the players knew they were still supported the players. And, you know, I've talked to some of the players, and, and I think they, you know, they've also shared that same, you know, they're, they're kind of like, ah, oh, you know, we hate, we, we feel bad, we're bringing shame to the fans, and, you know, we're in ourselves because we're, we're professionals and we want to win matches. And, you know, and at the end of the day, and, and you guys know because you've dealt with some, some of the players in OC, they're all pretty good guys, and they're all nice guys. And, you know, you hate for anyone to sit there and think about, you know, especially some of these guys coming in from different countries. You know, there are a lot, some of them are leaving families back in their home countries to come here and play soccer. So it obviously means something to those guys, and, and even the ones that you know may not have families, it, it means something to them. And you still see that effort out there, like I said earlier. And 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 it's, you know, I, I hope the fans can you know certainly rally and support the the, the guys out there playing. Because I know it's not easy, especially like I mentioned, it was 100 degrees. It's hot here, so you know, given all that effort and it being you know not ideal conditions and. You know, playing in a baseball f- field, you know, it, it's it kind of adds up after a while, and 
you know, it's um, it's it's a, it's a, it's it's disappointing for anyone to have to go through some season like that. But you know, uh, the good news is hopefully you know things change as a result, and you know, and if we'll wait to see if that all happens. So I know you talked a little bit about some of the stuff been going on with season. Is there any like one or maybe two things that you can sort of pinpoint as to what the problem has been with Tulsa this season? Or is it just sort of this, uh, you know, it's this domino effect where you have one or two things happening and just sort of um, the whole, you know, the whole row of dom- dominoes start falling. Uh, you know, it, I, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to catch much of the uh, the Tulsa matches this season. So uh, definitely interested in, in just getting an idea of, of if you can pinpoint anything that's causing the... Uh, the uh, the difficult uh, the difficulty in trying to get a victory. Yeah, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, just talking about getting red cards. Uh, it's kind of self inflicted wounds, really. Um, you get red cards, you're suspended for a match. Um, you know, you've got a new lineup. You know, Tulsa's not a team that has 30 guys just sitting around that we can just plug in. And go, okay, you know, here we've got another striker here. We've got a you know, and then some. And also, we're getting some lone players from Chicago since you know Tulsa has that affiliation with the Fire. You know, we saw that a lot more. It seemed like last season, and we're not seeing it as much this season. Yeah, of course, we got John Beccaro, uh and and some guys who've come down here and there. Uh, we've got Servana, who's from uh, FC Dallas, uh, who's on loan from FC Dallas, and you kind of have this kind of mash lineup every week where it's you know it's a makeshift. Okay, let's we're we're experimenting with the 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 formations, the players. So I think that you know just experimenting with the players, you know, trying to figure something out, and you know, it's a credit to Coach Valjurov to just trying to hey let's, let's figure something out that works. Um, but I think it also leads a little bit of inconsistency for the players if they can't practice a four four two all the time or a, a you know whatever formation, a diamond, whatever you want to call it, you know, and they may not have you know you kind of read those articles about you know uh Jurgen Klinsmann doing a little bit of that and I don't think it's to that extent you know on purpose like you know maybe he did I think it's by necessity um so I think just once the team kind of gets gelling once they get that consistency I think it's going to to be a lot better for this team but you know it, you know that that you know you got to stay away from injuries you got to keep guys from getting red cards so i mean all those things ones you don't really have control over but the other i think you know just being a little more disciplined on on getting yellows and, and red cards it was certainly help and also just another thing that i notice is there's just not a lot of goals being scored by our forwards and there's a lot of turnovers in the midfield so it seems like we're having a hard time getting the ball to the forwards and then for the forwards to be able to score. And a lot of our goals have actually come from the midfield, which, you know, it's fine, but you, you want your forwards to be your, you know, in an ideal situation, you want your forwards to be the one who accumulate the goals. And, and, and we're not seeing that on this, this team. Um, and, you know, I think our, as far as the defense is concerned, I think it's getting a little bit better. And I think because you're having the same four guys at back every week, you're starting to see more consistency there. No, definitely. And and one of the things we talked about on the podcast for Orange County um, uh, uh, recently is just Orange County seems to have the, the benefit of having a pretty um, pretty strong lineup as far as spread out. There's not mm-hmm. like one area of the field where Orange County is, is 
like super strong and the rest of it's sort of hanging on to that. I mean, you really can look at the Orange County roster and you have solid forward play, solid midfielders, solid mm-hmm. defenders, and then even a solid, you know, if not one of the best keepers, I will personally say probably one of the better keepers in the league in Andre Rolls. So it's definitely benefit. Uh, we've benefited from that. And I definitely can understand how, um, you know, if you're having a lack of scoring up front uh, or if you're losing possession of the ball in the midfield, um, those are definitely things that uh, are, you know, key things that you need to have happening uh, to be successful out on the on the pitch so um you know i, I you know i guess i I'm, i feel bad for you guys if that's happening a lot in, in there but again you know we've talked about it i'm sure you've talked about it before you know it's the usl this is um a league where a lot of these players are trying to either figure their things out to try and improve their game um they're also uh, the rosters aren't so cohesive year in and year out there's a lot of uh, turnover from year to year and season to season on some of these teams so uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, understand where that can uh, be a big part of what might be happening or what might be going on in Tulsa. You know, what's interesting you say that, and, and something I mentioned on the last podcast is Oklahoma City Energy. So there for a while, it was Oklahoma City Energy, Tulsa dead last. It was it was one of the two. Maybe we hung around and switched around every once in a while. All of a sudden, you look at the standings, and Oklahoma City's put, put together a couple of wins, and they're seven points back from the playoffs. Just like that. So, and you know, you guys have fallen USL long enough. You know, you get on a streak, you get a couple of matches here, you win a game here, still one on the road, maybe get a draw where you're supposed to lose. All of a sudden, you're looking and going, holy cow, we're in the, we're in a playoff hunt. It's just because there's half the teams make the playoffs. So it's, it's not inconceivable to think, you know, if Tulsa gets things together, and like I mentioned off air, you know, we still haven't played Rio Grande Valley. So, you know, for the super optimist Tulsa fan, you have to look and go, okay, I think there's room to be, you know, optimistic. And, yeah, you look at this uh, Phoenix match from last week, I don't think anyone in their right mind thought, oh, yeah, Tulsa's going to get a result there. You know, they go down and ten down to ten men and, and only give up one goal. And, and then in the first half, one of the goals was a wonder goal from uh, Jason Johnson, which if folks haven't gone back and, you know, I'm, I'm giving all these suggestions for YouTube video watching, but uh, Jason Johnson's goal against uh, Tulsa last week was one, one of the – uh, the great ones last week. And uh, so, you know, if you're talking about, you know, that it's, you know, I think Tulsa hung tough as far as uh, getting a result on the road and, and maybe the scoreline, I mean, it could have gone sideways and, and it could have been six nil, seven nil. I mean, you know, Phoenix came into Tulsa and won five, five, one last time. So, um, you know, so, you know, fair play to, to Arizona, to Phoenix there. Cause you know, they're going to get that result, but, you know, I, I, you know, as far as optimism, you know, I think when Tulsa played OC last time, OC was was on a tear. You know, they were, they were so hot and getting results and getting the result in Oklahoma City, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, the and I had Zach Easton on from the Tulsa Soccer Show, and he said, you know, this is a OC seems like you know just looking at the standings, looking at the table, looking at big picture soccer, it looks like they've cooled down a little bit from that time period. And I could say this and then watch OC win 7-0 on Saturday. So, I mean, who you know, take it for a grain of salt. But it seems like maybe the team that we're playing this week is not the same team in the same form that Tulsa saw back in uh, back in March, April. I mean, I could be completely wrong there. I have, you know, like I said, you guys fall a lot closer than I do, but – I don't know. Maybe tell me tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty sure statistically that you're you're right on there. Um, I agree. 
I don't remember exactly. I know our current is, I think the last five are uh, draw, win, loss, win, loss for us. And I think earlier in the season it was uh, draw, loss, win. I mean, I think it was three or four games in the season. So mm. I guess it's pretty comparable. But by this point, I think teams are kind of getting uh, sorted out. Um, even if we have a new player and and Tulsa squad is bouncing around as they search for some way to score some goals and get some points. Yeah, no, definitely. And and I think, um, you know, OC was very strong early on. Uh, after those first couple of matches where you had the, the Phoenix match, which was a draw, the loss to Sacramento, Orange County went on a little bit of run there uh, where they seemed to, to be putting together some good matches there. And, and Oklahoma uh, City, Tulsa, you guys were a part of that, that early stretch there where Orange County was looking really strong early on and I think um, you sort of they hit the hiccup in their open cup match against FC Golden State Force and I think ever since that match it's been a little bit of a of a uh, inconsistent play you know a win a draw a draw a win a loss you know this and that you don't have this consistency that you were seeing um, in that early uh, strong form that they had so you're definitely going to be seeing a different Orange County team than you saw uh, when the teams uh, met up early in the season and uh, you know uh, it's definitely uh, you know I, I'm going to say hopefully not, but it's you guys have uh, an opportunity against a team that's not being uh, hasn't been playing very consistent as of late uh, on there. So uh, with that said, uh, do you have any like player that you can recommend to our listeners that they should be on the lookout for that they should be scared of from uh, Tulsa? John Baccaro, uh, the Loney from Chicago Fire playing forward, uh, had the had the goal against Fresno on the road. I think a player that skill-wise, just you know, just you know, eyeball test and looking at what he can do with the ball. Um, you know, I think defense will have to certainly pay attention to him if he's starting. I'm not sure who the other forward will be starting at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it may be either Eti Tavares, maybe uh, Michael Gamble. Uh, random, random factoid: Tulsa has three guys right now in the squad from Wake Forest. So kind of a random thing there um but yeah and you know so anyone that used to play for Wake Forest you might want to put a guy on them um <laughs> but I think uh as far as somebody to be to keep an eye out I think certainly John Beccaro and, and somebody else as well uh, Joaquin Rivas who uh, has been on pretty much recipient he's either distributed or has been part of the goal scoring for most of the goals for Tulsa this year um you know he's uh, somebody who played from for the Roughnecks last season, came back this season, which I think only two or three guys did this this year, actually made the transition to this year's squad. So uh, he's a guy who's, I think, his best soccer has been played this year. Uh, Paris G is also another guy who's uh, who's been on, you know, the distribution side of scoring goals, and, and he can, you know, make some – he has – he can he can do some things with the ball and and create some open space and he's kind of a quiet guy you you're, you know he's he might kind of lull you to sleep out there but uh, he can certainly just on a moment's notice he, you know he can he can turn the game upside down so uh, those are some guys that I you know just on the offensive side and and on the goal scoring uh, side that I, I would certainly pay attention to and keep an eye on. 
can you do me a massive favor and write down everything you just said and email it to the club for uh, for me? <laughs> They're gonna take uh, yeah yeah let's uh, let's take some scouting uh, tips from this podcaster from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's a tornado guy, but no, uh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure they're probably fully aware of that. If 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 I'm just some dumb podcaster and I've and I've figured it out. <laughs> no, awesome. Uh, I, I, I'll check with you, Dylan. Do you have any other questions for Roger before we go and look at uh, some predictions from everyone on this match? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. I was gonna, I was gonna ask about who we should look out for, but you got that covered. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into this. Then uh, it's part of the uh, podcast where we're gonna all go through and we're just gonna sort of predict uh, what we're expecting the outcome of the match. Basically, just to score. Uh, you know, you don't have to tell me who scores all the goals, uh, but you know, give me a, a final score of the match and then who you think is going to be the MVP of the match uh, for the winning squad. So we'll go ahead and start with our guest here, Roger. What do you think is going to be the outcome of the match? Oh, it's going to be a three nil victory to Tulsa. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's probably, be <laughs> uh, man, I'd love to say that. Very hopeful and, and, there. Very hopeful. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, 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 until I'm proved otherwise wrong, you know, I'll go with a one, one draw. I'm going to go with the draw. And then who do you think, um, since there's no winner there, who do you think is going to be the MVP for either side? You could pick a, a Tulsa oh, player or, or an Orange County player if you're familiar with any of our players. Well, since Indevoldson uh, torched us last time, I'll go ahead and put him. He's going to get a goal probably. Um, I think he had a Hattie against us last time, by the way. Uh, and as far as Tulsa goes, I think uh, John Beccaro, he puts one in the back of the net. All right, so hopefully uh, Thomas Enavoldson is listening to the podcast and he's been reminded of the wonderful performance he had last time against Tulsa and we can have a, 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 a repeat of that performance. What about you, Dylan? What do you think the outcome of this match is going to be? All right, Roger, I hate to rain on your parade. Um, it's fine. Calling, uh, I'm calling 3-0 victory for Orange County. Um, Andre gets his, his clean sheet, which is well-deserved after the last few matches. And uh, Enavoldson... You know, finds those holes in the Tulsa defense again and, and just tears it up. I'm going to give him two goals. And uh, I know I said this last week, I, I believed in Godoy. I still believe in him. He's going to he's gonna bag one. I, I can feel it. It's coming. So 3-0, uh, two from Enavoldson, one from Godoy. All right, so then I will go ahead and make my pick uh, for this match. I'm going to have to, again... I have to agree sort of with Dylan on this. I think Orange County is going to come out victorious. I'm going to actually, I was picking that same scoreline, I think, uh, is what you picked, Dylan, 3-0, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go 3-0 as well. Um, as far as the MVP, I've learned here over our last few episodes that whenever I pick a player, they do not play in that next match. It happened uh, in the Los Dos match. It happened in this Reno match. Um, I think I picked. Don't pick Andre. <laughs> do not pick Andre. So I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try and play the reverse hoodoo here, and I'm just gonna pick a random name, someone that I know is not gonna play, because then, well, actually no, because then they probably will play, right? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> who should I pick on this? I'm gonna pick. Um, you know, what? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pick for a bounce back match. Our MVP is gonna be Jos Hoyveld. He's gonna, um, you know, be upset from this last match. He's gonna come out. He's gonna work hard, and he's gonna get out there, and he's gonna show. Us, why he was once a player in the Premier League in England, um, in the Eredivisie, out in the Netherlands, and, and wherever else he's played. So I'm going to pick him as the uh, valuable player for Orange County, and I'm hoping maybe he'll get a goal uh, with his size out there from a corner or from a, uh, a set piece. So that'll be my pick on that. So it looks like um, both of the Orange County people were picking Orange County to win, and, the, and uh, Mr. Uh, 
Mr. Tulsa over there is picking a draw there. So either way, I guess, Orange County fans, from what you're listening here, uh, it's uh, a point for Orange County, um, possibly three. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, Tulsa fans wouldn't be excited to hear that, but I, I don't know. Maybe they're used to it by now where one points the, the ultimate uh, uh, golden prize there. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> All I right, think so at this point, at this point in the season, we would happily take a draw on the road right now. No, definitely feel you, and especially when you're going to like something like Orange County. It's not like mm-hmm. it's a place where the fans can travel all the way out here easily. It's not like going to Oklahoma City or even going into Texas for some of the matches. Uh, sure. It's definitely a difficult uh, uh, road match for the supporters. So I'm sure that's definitely uh, uh, something to look at on there. You know what's yeah. funny is you'll probably act if you actually go to the game. Uh, I, there may be a couple of orange pe- people wearing orange jerseys because there's families out in California. There's a lot of soccer players from California and in that part of the world. I think Joaquin's family, you know, they're from uh, Las Vegas area, so I think they travel pretty much anywhere on the West Coast and watch Joaquin play. So you may see, you know, a couple of orange jerseys. Don't be surprised. Uh, maybe they're wearing those for the orange and black soccer cast. You never know. Hey, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it, uh, I, I, as we're recording this folks, just so you know, I mean, this is the podcast world. We don't, uh, we're not right now talking to you while you're listening to this. Uh, more than likely we've recorded this in the past and we're recording this, uh, late in the evening here on the West coast and we got Roger in, in Tulsa. So, uh, before we move on to our next segments, I don't know if Roger, if you have a few more minutes to hang out with us and talk a little bit more about MLS and maybe possibly the world cup, or is it, uh, getting a little late out your way? Oh, you know, it's it's uh, being a father of two kids under the age of two. It's getting pretty late on my end here. We're at 11, almost 1130 uh, Oklahoma time. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and cut loose if that's cool with you guys. And, um, and uh, yeah, just let me know what I need to do. And uh, I don't know if you'd like me to plug any social media or anything like that right now. Oh, yeah. No, what we'll do is, uh, so uh, we want to thank you first, Roger, for joining us on this podcast. I know, again, sure. like we said, you're in Tulsa. You're, you know, you said it's already almost 1130 at the recording time here. So, and that's p.m., folks. That's not 1130 a.m. Um, so okay. if you want to go ahead and just uh, give uh, our listeners, I know besides the you know Beautiful Game Network, is there anywhere else our listeners can find your information, listen to you, read any of your uh, information, follow you on Twitter, let them know all the information? Absolutely, yes. So, but what I do on the podcast, we record our live sessions over Facebook Live. So if you're out there on Facebook, you can find me at Tornado Alley SPC. So Tornado Alley SPC on Facebook, and you can like that page. Uh, of course, we're on BGN.FM slash Tornado Alley. So like you guys with Orange Black, you you know you can find if you clicking around on bgn.fm you'll find my podcast there we also upload a podcast version of this of our live show from the facebook live stream uh but you know uh, we usually record uh, we me me i usually record monday evenings 9 30 uh tulsa time so 7 30 west coast time so I'm kind of used to recording late just because, you know, the kids' situation. But uh, Twitter, uh, Tornado Alley SPC, just like earlier, uh, you can find me there. If you want to follow my musings on on personal stuff, R-O-G-M-A-N-9-9 on Twitter as well. So uh, on those, and I'm, I think I'm on IG as well. So you'll see pictures of my kids, I guess. That's the only thing I ever post on IG. But anyway, um, so those are kind of the social media plugs there. Um, and yeah, like I said, if, if you love talking soccer and you want to get on and just chat it up with some folks who love soccer too, you know, just come join us on our live feed, uh, every Monday evening at seven thirty West coast time. You know, we'd love to have any fans of OC or anyone that's a soccer fan at all. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Roger. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Roger Graham uh, from the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast out there in uh, Oklahoma. Thanks you get. Uh, thanks again. Okay, let me get this right. Thanks once again <laughs> for joining us and and taking a, a time out of the late evening there to to help talk uh, Tulsa soccer with us. Thanks. You Have too. Have a great night, Roger. All right. So that was Roger. Again, I I, I, I know I've said it already, but, it, you know, thanks to him for joining us here uh, to talk a little bit of the Tulsa thing. One of the things I've been trying to do on these podcasts here, uh, especially here in the early go, is is trying to get some guests that are experts of some of these other teams because um, it's, you know, the best way to learn about your opponent and to just learn about USL in general is to hear what's going on with some of these other teams from the people that are following them day in and day out um, to, to know what's going on. So that's definitely uh, some good information there. Uh, really quick before we end this podcast, Dylan, and I want to just sort of talk to you about a couple things. Uh, one of these, these things, uh, I was following Twitter, and there was a tweet from, and I'm going to definitely mess the, the pronunciation of the name out, but it's Ken Hotker, I believe. I, I'm probably messing that up, but he's from CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com, and he tweeted out uh, sort of this algorithm that he did um, to figure out the projections for the remainder of the season for all the teams in the USL. And uh, for Orange County Soccer Club fans, uh, this projection is actually some pretty awesome news. Uh, according to this project projection that they've ran, uh, Orange County is not going to lose any matches for the remainder of the season. Now, with me just now saying that, more than like, watch, we're going to lose to Tulsa like 5-0 or something from me uh, bragging about that. But, uh, you know, also you look on the opposite end for our opponent here. They also projected that Tulsa will not win any matches uh, the remainder of the season, which means they will not have won anything for the season. I, I I don't know what you think on that, Dylan. I know this is just a bunch of crazy math and numbers and computer stuff. Uh, but what do you think uh, the odds are of Orange County finishing the season with no more losses on the, the schedule? Oh, man. Uh, I don't think those odds are necessarily super high, um, but I can just say it would be a welcome lottery win um, in that situation. I would love to see Orange County turn it on, and, and I believe it puts them at the top of the table, too, at the end of that. But I would love to see no more losses and just <laughs> three-point victories. No, definitely. I mean, anytime – I mean – I get it. You want to win every match, but anytime you can at least not lose every match, that's that's an amazing feat in itself. Even if it, every single match, I know on his project on these projections, it was there was a lot of victories in there. But even if you can go, you know, with zero losses the remainder of the season and get like half of those being draws, it's still a good result there. Um, yeah, can that really happen? More than likely not. Uh, again, as a fan, that would be awesome. I'm sure uh, County Line Coalition would be celebrating. Would be, uh, you know rioting the streets of Irvine after the end of the season there when Orange County is victorious. Uh, uh, but um, interesting stuff. I, 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 It's fun thing. That's one of the magical things on Twitter is you find the most random information. And if you're following the right people and the right people are following the right people, you find all this random information. I just thought it was a neat thing uh, to look at there. Um, definitely uh, wish uh, it wouldn't have been so late out in Tulsa. We could have maybe got some information there from uh, from Roger, what he thinks on those projections on Tulsa. Uh, you definitely don't want to see a team go winless. That's sort of where we started talking about uh, 
the the Cleveland Browns before we started recording is it's one of those things you don't want to do too often where you don't win uh, a match in an entire season. Uh, but hopefully uh, Tulsa doesn't win their first match against Orange County. Oh, definitely. And uh, I don't think there'll be any parades for not winning. So I'm gunning for you, Tulsa. Just uh, not this week, please. Yes, definitely. Well, hold off. You know, he was talking about Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley, whatever their the RGV. Um, let them get the victories there or, or whoever else they fa- face. But definitely, uh, Tulsa, if you want to send out your B team to Orange County to, uh, you know, not have to deal with all that travel, feel free to do so. That way we can start this unbeaten streak um, for the remainder of the season. And then uh, really quick, Dylan, before we end this podcast, let's just talk briefly about the World Cup. Uh, as we're recording this, pretty much all the f- well, actually all of the first uh, set of matches ended. And I think Russia got in their second match, Russia and Egypt. Uh, today I don't know if anyone else did off the top of my head. Uh, so far, what do you uh, what are you thinking or what are you feeling on this this World Cup so far, Dylan? Um, honestly, I've been I've been pretty busy. I started school up again this week, so I haven't been able to do as much watching as I had uh, hoped to have been doing. Um, but so far, I just say I, I imagine you're probably going to agree with me, but Russia taking six points from the opening two games is a, is a pretty massive result. I know. Saudi Arabia and Egypt aren't the best teams, and I think expectations for both of those teams were pretty low. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure when you're the home country, and they've been pretty solid so far. Um, well, well, and the big surprise, too, is I think they were coming in as the lowest ranked uh, as far as FIFA rankings um, nation. I think uh, from what I was hearing, they were ranked like 70th going into the World Cup, um, which uh, I, I know you said uh, you know Egypt, Saudi Arabia, not the strongest of competitions, not the the, the teams that you're going to probably expect to be in the finals, but to, to do what they've done in those first two matches on their home soil uh, has definitely been, um, I mean, I guess it'd be a shock for a lot of people. Uh, for anyone that uh, has gone on and checked out Angels on Parade, the LAFC slash Orange County Soccer Club uh, blog on SB Nation, uh, they did a, uh, a post where people could go on and just basically predict who they thought was going to win each of the groups or actually the, the finishing place on each of those groups. And uh, yours truly, I actually, I think, picked Russia to win this group. Um, I, I don't know why I did, but at this point, I'm sort of looking pretty smart on it. Uh, I know they still have Uruguay on there, but, uh, you know, hey, to get the two victories, and they have that crazy goal differential. So at this point, they just have to draw with Uruguay to, to win the group. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever you pulled out of a hat there, the fact it's made it this far is, is a surprise, but it's a welcome one. Uh, the World Cup, it it allows for this stuff, and, and I love it, even if I know nothing on the Russian team and, and don't expect them to do super well or particularly care <laughs> if they do. It's it's makes for good it makes for good watching, and I think that'll be that'll be huge. I think my Russia connection is uh, I think it was like two or three uh, uh, versions of FIFA soccer ago i think it was like fifa 16 or something uh i play fifa ultimate team and at the end of the season you try and build the strongest team you can with all these team of the season where they basically give these crazy ratings to the players from some of the different leagues and typically premier league uh you know the italy league french league they get some of the stronger the the la liga they get some of the stronger players but um a few years ago i decided to build a team of basically the russian league uh, which allowed me to get a lot of cheap, strong players. And that's pretty much where I started learning a little bit of some of these Russian players. Now, I would not be able to tell you today who any of these Russian players are because uh, I haven't <laughs> used Russian in a while. Now I've gone on to 
Portugal, the Portuguese league, which is another cheap league to get players off of, but that's a whole different story. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Russia's definitely been a big shock so far. I think the other big shock uh, for a lot of people was the Mexico victory over Germany. Um, you know, Germany goes into this with a, a lot of people pretty much saying Germany's going to win. Even last week we had Richard Chaplow from your Orange County uh, soccer club basically say that he thinks Germany will win the World Cup. And lo and behold, they lose their first match to Mexico, um, which I, I get Mexico is a pretty strong team, but I don't think many people predicted that uh, that outcome on that match. What about you, Dylan? Oh, definitely. Um, I thought that was a great result. And that's someone as, uh, as myself who has German heritage. I was, I'm happy uh, for the Mexicans and for Mexican supporters. It's, it's awesome to take on the world champs and, and beat them. Um, I, Germany's still strong, and I think that might be the thing that kind of lights it up uh, underneath them. Um, but the smaller team always wants it more, and I think Mexico really proved that. There's definitely something they deserve there. They outplayed Germany at their own game. And I think that that underdog feeling, especially in like the World Cup or like the Olympics, that just sort of becomes the theme, especially for a lot of us Americans who we don't have our nation's team in there. So now you're looking at who do I want to cheer for now that America's not in it? And I'm sure there's a lot of Americans that are um, maybe going towards some of those under underdogs or those those good stories. Like you got like the Iceland's and um and whatnot and mexico might be one of those ones i know there's this debate on whether americans really should be able to cheer for mexico this whole you know there are rivals why would you cheer for them it's almost like uh you know i'm a tottenham fan so why would i cheer for anything arsenal regardless of of what's going on um but you know it's 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 a neat thing especially this is my first experience here because you know going back to you know a long time where you, you have a world cup without america so it's definitely a neat experience going into that and not having your home nation to, you know, be going for. And now you just have all these matches just to enjoy, not caring really what the outcome is, uh, unless you have that secondary team. So uh, is there any other teams that have surprised you besides the ones we've talked about, Russia, Mexico, um, or is there any of the favorite teams that you're, um, you know, that you're enjoying what you've seen so far? Okay, well, it happened earlier today, but I want to give a quick little shout-out to Japan for taking down Colombia 2-1, and uh, maybe a little bit bigger of a shout-out to my preferred, my number one team, England, for maybe getting the monkey off its back there and, and actually uh, winning. Um, whether or not you, you talk about the refereeing, um, which was interesting for most of that game, uh, Harry Kane, Ronaldo, I, it's hard to say who had a better uh, first game for their group stage. Um, Oh my God! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Um, well, you know, bring it home, Harry Kane, please. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, like I said, I'm Tottenham, so of course I love the Harry Kane thing. But I think you can't take away from what Cristiano Ronaldo did on that first uh, that first match against Spain. I mean, he basically single handedly um, led Portugal to victory in that match uh, with his performance. And and you, you mentioned Harry Kane there in the England match. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, again, I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm going to say it. Uh, there's always a lot of hatred towards Tottenham and their players. There was even, um, I think, former Arsenal players coming out saying England can't win anything with that many Tottenham players on the World Cup squad. Uh, and even after Harry Kane's two goals in that match, there was a lot of uh, uh, negativity towards him as far as uh, basically saying that, ba what's the big deal? He was in the right spot at the right time. It's it, Anyone could have made those uh, could have made that header, could have kicked that ball in where he was. Uh, but then you got to think about it is, is well, if anyone could have done it, why weren't the rest of uh, the players on the pitch doing that? Why was Harry Kane in extra time 
left wide open on the far goalpost on a, I believe it was on a corner kick or, or what it was. I mean, how was he left so wide open? Uh, if anything, he's the player that you should have two or three of your guys marking at all times in that situation because he's your biggest threat out there. So, you know, you said, you know, you're 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 enjoying that. Uh, I enjoyed it. And it's the World Cup. Whoever you're cheering for in the World Cup, you're going to have some great matches. You're going to have some great entertainment in that. Um, so, you know, all, all powers to be in. Uh, I think the team that I picked to win, which was, I believe, France, uh, they came out victorious. And was who was your pick? Was your pick England, Dylan? I think that was my my dream your dream pick. pick. Um, realistically, uh, I offered up Brazil and then my dark horse in Belgium. Okay, okay. So, so maybe hey, maybe your dream pick gets to come uh, gets to come true in this uh, after this oh. one. Let's not get too far ahead of it. God, though, right? I'm hoping. <laughs> now we're gonna <laughs> be putting the jinx hoping. on all these players, all these teams that were saying great job, and and the next time, wow. So look at the time. We've actually gone a lot longer than I thought we would go in this episode. Uh, but I think we've covered all the topics here. Uh, I don't know if you have any last words you want to share with anyone, Dylan. Um, I just want to say thanks to everyone for, for making it this far. Um, and if you guys are coming out to a game, um, not just the Tulsa people, but even Orange County fans and you're listening, come say hi. Uh, you know where to find me. I'll be with the uh, County Line Coalition down the corner. Dylan is partying it up. Dylan is always out there with the County Line Coalition. And, and if you're an Orange County fan, if you're just a casual fan heading out to the stadium and you just somehow found this podcast, head out there and just, you know, hang out with those guys, chat a little bit. They're always, uh, they're, they're, they're really a welcoming group, uh, not just to Orange County fans, but they've even hung out with some of the supporter groups um, throughout the season here, just sort of, they're, they're a good group of people. They, they have a good time out there. They cheer loud for the team. Um, and it's a good place to go. If you want to learn a little bit more about this club, about this team, uh, it's definitely a, a great place to go and check out. Uh, Dylan will be out there. I unfortunately won't be at the match uh, this weekend. I'm actually going to be, uh, unavailable for a few matches here coming up, uh, because I have just a lot of crazy stuff going on in my life, uh, with, um, family visiting from out of state, uh, going on a vacation uh i will actually be out in texas in the san well in austin which is about an hour outside of san antonio uh the week that san antonio is out here playing against orange county so i'll be cheering for orange county against san antonio while i'm out in texas which will be an an interesting situation there uh but uh you know by all means go and check out go stay go look for dylan go say hi to him uh now that it's out there that he is on this podcast and it that's the dylan from county land coalition um, you know, sh- my cover's been blown. <laughs> Show them your love. You know, let them know what your thoughts are. And and like he said, thanks to all of you that are listening to this podcast and helping support us. Uh, you, you're the reason why we, we come out here and spend a, an hour of our evening recording talking about soccer. We want to share our thoughts with you. We want to learn with you. We want to enjoy soccer with you, and especially Orange County with you. So uh, I appreciate you for listening, regardless of how you listen to our podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, orangeandblacksoccercast.com. Uh, you can also find us on uh, at the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Uh, you can also find us on any of the popular podcast, uh, you know, sources, iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, even just if you have Google Assistant, you can just ask it to play the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And I think uh, it's eventually, if it hasn't learned it yet, it will start learning that for you. Uh, Stitcher. Uh, hey, iHeartRadio, if you listen to that, if, if you use that, you can find us there. We've, we've worked hard to get our podcasts on every major platform we can. Uh, if you find a platform that you use that you can't find our podcast, let us know. You can email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. Let me know where you need our podcast up, and I'll work on getting that up for you. Uh, if you have any feedback, any thoughts for us, feel free to um, reach out to us on Twitter at uh, OC, um, what is it? 
OCSC underscore SoccerCast, or you can also find us at Facebook, same thing, OCSC underscore SoccerCast, uh, or email us uh, with your thoughts or questions or anything like that. Or if you have any questions you want to ask us for a future episode you want us to discuss, feel free to let us know, and we will definitely do that for you. Um, with that said, I, I think, uh, once again, want to thank Roger Graham from Tornado Alley Soccer Cast or Soccer Podcast for joining us today to talk the upcoming match. Uh, Dylan, thanks for taking some time out of your evening from County Line Coalition, uh, repping the Orange County Soccer Club out there in the stands. Um, any, uh, I, I think I already asked you, but you want to say the last thing, Dylan? Just uh, thanks for listening again, everyone. All right. Have a good day. Go County, right? Uh, so with that said, this is Ray Samora for Dylan out there. I want to thank you all for listening. And this is uh, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast signing off. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.